Section 6 of The Shaving of Shagpat. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Amy Graymore. The Shaving of Shagpat by George Meredith. Chapter 2, Part 4. And this is the story of Bonavar the Beautiful. Now Aswarak divined not her meaning, and was enraptured with her, and cried, Wallahi, so and such thy love. Thine am I, thine, and what a music is thy voice, O oh, my mistress! Twere a bliss to Eblis in his torment could he hear it. Life of my head, and is thy beauty increased by me? Nay, thou flatterer. Then he said to her, Away with these importunate dogs! Tis the very hour of tenderness. Wallahi, they offend my nostril. Stung am I at the sight of them. She rejoined, O oh, Aswarak, star of the morn! Thou that wakenest my beauty from night in scorn, Thy time is near, and when tis come, Long will a jackal howl, That this thy request had been dumb, O Aswarak, star of the morn. So the vizier imaged in his mind The neglect of Marshalid from these words, and said, Leave the king to my care, O queen of serpents, And expend no portion of thy power on him, But hasten now the going of these fellows, My heart is straitened by them, And I, wallahi, would gladly see a serpent round the necks of either. She continued, O Azorak, star of the morn, Lo, the star must die, When splendider light is born, And stronger floods the beam will drown. Shrink, thou puny orb, And dread to bring me my crown. O Azorak, star of the morn. Then said she, Hark a while at those two, There's a disputation between them. So they hearkened, And Uklit was pledging Bulp, And passing the cup to him. But a sullenness had seized the broker, and he refused it, and Uklit shouted, Out, boon-fellow, and what a company art thou, that thou refusest the pledge of friendliness, plague on all sulkers. And the broker, the old miser, obstinate, as are the half-bottled, began to mumble, I came not here to drink, O Uklit, but to make a bargain, and my bags be here, and I like not yonder veil, nor the presence of yonder vizier, nor the secrecy of this. Now by the prophet, in that interdict of this, I'll drink no further. And Uklit said, Let her not mark your want of friendship, or twill go ill with you. Here be fine wines, spirited wines, choice flavors, and you drink not. Where's the soul in you, O Bulp, and where's the life in you, that you yield her to the vizier utterly? Surely she waiteth a gallant sign from you, so challenge her cheerily. Quoth Bulp, I care not. Shall I leave my wealth and all I possess void of eyes? And she so that I recognize her not behind the veil? Uklit pushed the old miser jeeringly. You not recognize her? Oh, Bulp, a pretty dissimulation. Pledge her now a cup to the snatching of the veil, and bethink you of a fitting verse, a seemly compliment, something sugary. Then Bulp smoothed his head and was bothered, and tapped it, and commenced repeating to Bonivar, I saw the moon behind a cloud and I was cold as one that's in his shroud, and I cried, Moon! Uklit chorused him, Moon! And Bulp was deranged in what he had to say, and gasped, Moon! I cried, Moon! And I cried, Moon! Then the vizier and Uklit laughed till they fell on their backs, so Bonivar took up his verse where he left it, singing, And to the cry, Moon did make fair the following reply, Daughter, be still, for thy desire is to embrace consuming fire. Then said Bulp, O oh, my mistress, the laws of conviviality have till now restrained me, but my coming here was on business, 
and with me my bags, and good faith. So let us transact this matter of the jewels, and after that the song of Thou and I a couple try, even as thou wilt. Bonivar threw aside her outer robe and veil, and appeared in a dress of sumptuous blue, spotted with gold bees, her face veiled with a veil of gauzy silver, and she was as the moon in summer heavens, and strode majestically forward, saying, The jewels tis but one, behold! The lamps were extinguished, and in her hand was the glory of the serpent jewel, no other light save it in the vaulted chamber. So the old miser perked his chin and brows, and cried wondering, I know it, this jewel, O oh, my mistress! She turned to the vizier, and said, Lifting the red gloom of the jewel on him, And thou? Azurak ate his underlip. Then she cried, There's much ye know in common ye, too. Thereupon Bonivar passed from the feast on to the centre of the vault, and stood before the tomb of Almeral, and drew the cloth from it, and they saw by the glow of the jewel that it was a tomb. When she had mounted some steps at the side of the tomb, she beckoned them to come, crying in a voice of sobs, This which is here, likewise you may know. So they came with the coldness of a mystery in their blood, and looked as she looked intently over a tomb. The lid was of glass, and through the glass of the lid the jewel flung a dark rosy ray on the body of Almeral lying beneath it. Now the miser was perplexed at the sight, but Aswarak stepped backward in defiance, bellowing, "'Twas for this I was tricked to come here. Is it fooling me a second time? By Allah, look to it. Not a second time will Aswarak be fooled. Then she ran to him and exclaimed, Fooled? For what camest thou to me? And he, foaming and grinding his breath, Thou woman of wiles, thou serpent, but I'll be gone from here. So she faltered in sweetness, knowing him doomed, and loving to dally with him in her wickedness. Indeed, if thou camest not for my kiss. Then said the vizier, Yet a further guile. Was it not an outrage to bring me here? She faltered again, leaning the fair length of her limbs on a couch. "'Tis ill that we are not alone, else could these lips convince thee well, else indeed. And the vizier cried, "'Chase then these intruders from us, O thou sorceress, and above all serpents in power, for thou poisonest with a touch, and the eye and the ear alike take in thy poisons greedily. Thou overcomes the senses, the reasons, the judgment, yea, vindictiveness, wrath, suspicions, leading the soul captive with a breath of thine, as twere a breeze from the gardens of bliss. Bonivar changed her manner a little, lisping, And why that starting from the tomb of a dead harmless youth? And that abuse of me? He peered at her inquiringly, echoing, Why? And she repeated, as a child might repeat it, Why that? Then the vizier smote his forehead in the madness of utter perplexity, changing his eye from Bonivar to the tomb of Almeral, doubting her truth, yet dreading to disbelieve it. So she saw him fast enmeshed in her subtleties, and clapped her hands, crying, Come again with me to the tomb, and note if there be aught I am to blame in, O Azorak, and plight thyself to me beside it. He did nothing save to widen his eyes at her somewhat. And she said, The two are yon side the tomb, and they hear us not, and see us not by this light of the jewel, so come up to it boldly with me, free thy mind of its doubt, and for a reconcilement kiss me on the way. Aswarak moved not forward, but as Bonivar laid the jewel in her bosom, he tore the veil from her darkened head, and caught her to him, and kissed her. Then Bonivar laughed, and shouted, How is it with thee, vizier Aswarak? He was tottering, and muttered, 
"'Tis a death-chill hath struck me even to my marrow. So she drew the jewel forth once more and rubbed it ablaze, and the noise of the serpents neared, and they streamed into the vault and under it, and fiery jets surrounding Bonavar and whizzing about her till in their velocity they were indivisible. And she stood as a fountain of fire, clothed in flashes of the underworld, the new loveliness of her face growing vivid violet like an incessant lightning above them. Then stretched she her two hands and sang to the serpents, Hither, hither to the feast, hither to the sacrifice, virtue for my sake hath ceased, now to make an end of vice. Twisted tail and troubled tongue, swelling length and greedy maw, I have had a horrid wrong, retribution is the law. Ye that sucked my youthful lord, now shall make another meal, seize the black vizier abhorred, seize him, seize him, throat and heel. Such a serpent wits to find, torches of a new device, have him, have him, heart and mind, hither to the sacrifice. Then she whirled with them round and round as a tempest whirls, and when she had wound them to a fury, lo, she burst from the hissing circle, and dragged Akleet from the vault into the passage, and blocked the entrance to the vaults. So was Queen Bonivar avenged. Now she said to Akleet, Ransom presently the broker, him they will not harm, and hastened to the king that he might see her in her beauty. The king reclined on cushions in the harem with a fair slave-girl, newly from the mountains, toying with the pearls in her locks. Then thought Bonivar, Let him not slight me. So she drew a rose-colored veil over her face and sat beside Marshalide. The king continued his fondling with the girl, saying to her, Was there no destiny foretold of thy coming to the palace of the king to rule it? O Nashta, star-beam in the waters, and hadst thou no dream of it? Bonivar struck the king's arm, but he noticed her not, and Nashta laughed. Then Bonivar controlled her trembling, and said, O word, O king, and vouchsafe me a hearing. The king replied languidly, still looking on Nashta, "'Tis a command that the voice of none that are crabbed and hideous be heard in the harem, and I find comfort in it. O Nashta, but speak thou, my fountain of sweet-dropping lute-notes. Bonivar caught the king's hand and said, "'I have to speak with thee. Tis the queen. Chase from us this little wax puppet a space.' The king disengaged his hand and leaned it over to Nashta, who began playing with it and fitting on it a ring, giggling. Then, as he answered nothing, Bonivar came nearer and slapped him on the cheek. Marshalid started to his feet, and his hand grasped his girdle. But that wrathfulness was stayed when he beheld the veil slide from her visage. So he cried, "'My queen, my soul!' She pointed to Nashta, and the king chid the girl, and sent her forth lean with his shifted displeasure, as a kitten slinks wet from a fish-pond, where it had thought to catch a great fish. Then Bonivar exclaimed, "'There was a change in thy manner to me before that creature.' He sought to dissimulate with her, but at last he confessed, "'I was truly this morning the victim of a sorcery.' Thereupon she cried, "'And thou went angered to find me not by thee on the couch, but one in my place a hag of ugliness? Here then the case, O Marshalid. Surely that old crone had a dream, and it was that if she slept one night by the king, she would arise fresh in health from her ills, and with powers lasting a year, to heal others of all maladies with a touch. So she came to me, petitioning me to bring this about. O oh, my lord the king, did I well in being privy to her desire? The king could not doubt this story of Bonivar, 
seeing her constant loveliness in the arch of her flashing brow and the oval of her cheek and chin smooth as milk so he said o oh, my queen i had thought to go as i must gladly but how shall i go knowing thy truth thy beauty unchanged thee faithful a follower of the injunctions of the prophet in charitable deeds cried she and whither goeth my lord and on what errand he answered the people of a province southward have raised the standard of revolt and mocked my authority they have been joined by certain of the arab chiefs subject to my dominion and have defeated my armies tis to subdue them i go yea to crush them yet while the high i know not care i if kingdoms fall away and nations so that i have thee nay let all pass so that thou remain by me bonivar paced from him to a mirror and frowned at the reflection of her fairness thinking such had he spoken to the girl nashta or another this king and she thought i have been beloved by the noblest three on earth i will ask no more of love vengeance i have had tis time that i demand of my beauty nothing save power and i will make this king my stepping-stone to power rejoicing my soul with the shock of armies now she persuaded marshalid to take her with him on his expedition against the arabs and they set forth heading a great assemblage of warriors southward to the land bordering the desert the king credited the suggestions of bonivar that aswarak had disappeared to join the rebels and pressed forward in his eagerness to inflict a chastisement signal and swiftness upon them and that traitor so eagerly marshally journeyed to his army in advance that the main body with bonivar was left by him long behind she had encouraged him saying i shall love thee much if thou art speedy in winning success the queen was housed on an elephant harnessed with gold and with silken purple trappings from the rose-hued curtains of her palanquin she looked on a mighty march of warriors filling the extent of the plains all day she fed her sight on them surely the story of her beauty became noised among the guards of her person that rode and ran beneath the royal elephant till the soldiers of marshalid spake but of the beauty of the queen and bonivar was as a moon shining over that sea of men now they had passed the cultivated fields and were halting by the ford of a river bordering the desert when lo a warrior on the yon side riding in a cloud of dust and his shout was the king marshalid is defeated and flying then the captains of the host witnessed to the greatness of allah and were troubled with a dread fearing to advance but bonivar commanded a horse to be saddled for her and mounted it and plunged through the ford singly so they followed her and all day she rode forward on horseback touching neither food nor drink by night she was a league beyond the foremost of them and fell upon the king encamped in the desert with the loose remnant of his forces marshalid when he had looked on her forgot his affliction and stood up to embrace her but bonivar spurned him crying a time for this in the time of disgrace then she said how came it he answered her there was a chief among the enemy an arab before the terror of whom my people fled cried she conquer him on the morrow until then i eat not drink not sleep not on the morrow marshalid again encountered the rebels and bonivar seated on her elephant from a sand hillock under a palm beheld the prowess of the arab chief and the tempest of battle that he was she thought i have seen but one mighty in combat like that one ruark the chief of the beni Aser. thereupon she coursed toward the king 
even where the arrows gloomed like locusts, thick and dark in the air aloof, and said, The victory is with yonder chief. Hurl on him three of thy sons of valor. The three were selected, and made onslaught on this chief, and perished under his arm. Bonivar saw them fall, and exclaimed, Another attack on him, and with thrice three. Her will was the mandate of Marshalid, and these likewise were ordered forth and closed on the chief. But he darted from their toils, and wheeled about them, spearing them one by one, till the nine were in the dust. Bonivar compressed her dry lips, and muttered to the king, Head thou a body against him. Marshalid gathered round his standard the chosen of his warriors, and smoothed his beard, and headed them. Then the chief struck his lance behind them, and stretched rapidly a half-circle across the sand, and halted on a knoll. When they neared him, he retreated in a further half-circle, and continued this wise, wasting the fury of Marshalid, till he stood among his followers. There, as the king hesitated and prepared to retreat, he and the others of the tribe leveled their lances, and hung upon his rear, fretting them, slaughtering captains of the troop. When Marshalid turned to face his pursuer, the chief was alone, immovable on his mare, fronting the ranks. Then Bonivar taunted the king, and he essayed the capture of that chief a second time, and a third, and it was each time as the first. Bonivar looked about her, with rapid eyes, murmuring, Oh, what a chief is he! Oh, that a cloud would fall, a smoke arise, to blind these hosts, that I might sling my serpents on him unseen! For I will not be vanquished, though it be by Ruark. So she drew to the king, and the altercation between them was fierce in the fury of the battle, he saying, "'Tis a feint of the chief, this challenge and I, must succor the left of my army by the well, that he is overmatching with numbers. Said she, If thou hid them not, then will I, and thou shalt behold a woman do what thou durst not, and lose her love and win her scorn. While they spake, the Arabs they looked on seemed to flutter and waver, and the chief was backing to them, calling to them as for words of shame to rally them. Seeing this, Marshalid charged against the chief once more, and lo, the Arabs opened to receive him, closing on his band of warriors like waters whitened by the storm on a fleet of swift scudding vessels. And there was a dust and a tumult visible, such as is seen in the darkness when a vessel struck by the lightning bolt is sinking flashes of steel, lifting of hands, rolling of horsemen, and horses. Then Bonivar groaned aloud, They are lost, shame to us, only one hope is left, that tis Ruark, this chief. Now the view of the plain cleared, and with it she beheld the army of Marshalie broken, the king borne down by a dust of Arabs. So she unveiled her face, and rode on the host within the horsemen that guarded her, glorious with a crown of gold and the glowing jewel on her brow. When she was a javelin's flight from them, the Arabs shouted and paused in terror, for the light of her head was as the sun setting between the clouds of thunder. But that chief dashed forward like a flame, beaten level by the wind, crying, Bonivar, Bonivar! And she knew the features of Ruark. So she said, Even I! And he cried again, Bonivar, Bonivar! and was as one stricken by a shaft. Then Bonivar threw on him certain of the horsemen with her, and he suffered them without a sign to surround him and grasp his mare by the bridle rein and bring him, disarmed, before the queen. At sight of Ruark, a captive, the Arabs fell into confusion and lost heart, 
and were speedily chased and scattered from the scene like a loose spray before the wind. But Marshally the king rejoiced mightily and praised Bonivar, and the whole army of the king praised her, magnifying her. Now with Ruark she interchanged no syllable, and said not farewell to him. When she departed with Marshalid to encounter other tribes, and the chief was bound and conducted a prisoner to the city of the inland sea, and cast into prison, in expectation of death the releaser, and continued there, well nigh a year, eating the bitter bread of captivity. In the evening of every seventh day there came to him a little mountain girl, that sat by him and leaned a lute to her bosom, singing of the mountain in the desert, but he turned his face from her to the wall. One day she sang of death the releaser, and Ruach thought, "'Tis come, she warneth me, merciful as Allah. On the morning that followed, Akleet entered the cell, and with him three slaves, blacks, armed with scimitars. So Ruark stood up and bore witness to his faith, saying, Swift with the stroke. But Akleet exclaimed, Fear not, the end is not yet. Then said he, Peace with thee, these slaves, O chief, excelling in martial qualities. Surely they my retinue, and the retinue of them of my rank in the palace. And where I go they go for the exalted have more shadows than one. Yea, three have they in my case, even very grimly black shadows, whereupon the idle expend not laughter, and whoso joketh in their hearing, tis wallahai, the last joke of that person. In such wise are the powerful known among men, they that stand very prominent in the beams of prosperity. Now this of myself, but for thee, of a surety, the Queen Bonivar, my mistress, will be here by the time of the rising of the moon, in the name of Allah. Saying that, he departed in his greatness, and Ruark watched for her, that rose in his soul as the moon in the heavens. Meanwhile, Bonivar had mused, "'Tis this day, the day when the serpents desire their due, and the king martially they shall have. For what is life to him but a treachery and a dalliance? And what is my hold on him but this jewel of the serpents? He has had the profit of beauty, and he shall yield the penalty.' My kiss is for him, my serpent kiss, and I will release Ruark and espouse him, and war with kings, sultans, emperors, infidels, subduing them till they worship me. She flashed her figure in the glass, and was lovely therein, as one in the light of paradise. But ere she reached the king Marshalid, lo, the hour of the serpents had struck, and her beauty melted from her as snow melts from off the rock. And she was suddenly haggard in utter uncomeliness, and knew it not, but marched, smiling a grand smile, on to the king. Now, as Marshally lifted his eyes to her, he started, amazed, crying, The hag again! And she said, What of the hag, O my lord the king? Thereat he was yet more amazed, and exclaimed, The hag of ugliness with the voice of Bonivar. Has then the queen lent that loathsomeness her voice also? Bonivar chilled a moment, and looked on the faces of the women present, and they were staring at her, the younger ones tittering, and among them Nashta, whom she hated. So she cried, Away with thee! But the king commanded them, Stay. Then the queen leaned to him, saying, I will speak with my lord alone. Whereat he shrank from her and spat. Ice and flame shivered through the blood of Bonivar. Yet such was her eagerness to give the kiss to Marshalid, that she leaned to him, still wooing him to her with smiles. Then the king seized her violently and flung her over the marble floor to the very basin of the fountain, 
and the crown that was on her brow fell and rolled to the feet of Nashta. The girl lifted it, laughing, and was in the act of fitting it to her fair head amid the chuckles of her companions, when a slap from the hand of Bonivar spun her round twice, and she dropped to the marble insensible. The king bellowed in wrath and ran to Nashta, crying to the queen, Surrender that crown to her, foul hag. But Bonivar had bent over the basin of the fountain, and beheld the image of her change therein, and was hurrying from the hall and down the corridors of the palace to the private chamber. So he made bare the steel by his side, and followed her with a number of the harem guard, menacing her, and commanding her to surrender the crown with the jewel. Ere she could lay hand on a veil, he was beside her, and she was encompassed. In that extremity Barnivar plucked the jewel from her crown, and rubbed it, calling the serpents to her. One came, one only, and that one would not move from her to sling himself about the neck of Marshalid, but whirled round her, hissing, Every hour a serpent dies, till we have the sacrifice. Sweeten, sweeten with thy kiss, quick a soul for Caratis. Surely the king bit his breath marvelling, and his fury became an awful fear, and he fell back from her, molesting her no further. Then she squeezed the serpent, till his body writhed in knots, and veiled herself, and sprang down a secret passage to the garden, and it was the time of the rising of the moon. Coolness and soothingness dropped on her, as a balm from the great light, and she gazed on it murmuring, as in a memory, Shall I counsel the moon in her ascending? Stay under that dark palm tree through the night. Rest on the mountain slope by the couching antelope. O thou enthroned supremacy of light, and for ever the luster thou art lending, lean on the fair long brook that leaps and leaps, silvery leaps and falls, hang by the mountain walls, Moon, and arise no more to crown the steeps, for a danger and dollar is thy wending. And she panted and sighed and wept, crying, Who, who will kiss me, or have my kiss now, that I may indeed be as yonder beam? Who, that I may be avenged on this king? And who sang that song of the ascending of the moon, that comes to me as a part of me from old times? As she gazed on the circled radiance swimming under a plume of palm leaves, she exclaimed, Ruark, Ruark the chief. So she clasped her hands to her bosom, and crouched under the shadows of the garden, and fled through the garden gates and the streets of the city, heavily veiled to the prison where Ruark awaited her within the walls, and Ukleet without. The governor of the prison had been warned by Ukleet of her coming, and the doors and bars opened before her unchallenged, till she stood in the cell of Ruark. Her eyes that were alone unveiled scanned the countenance of the chief, the fevered luster jet of his looks, and by the little moonlight in the cell she saw with a glance the straw heap and the fetters, and the black bread and water untasted on the bench, signs of his misery and desire for her coming. So she greeted him with the word of peace, and he replied with the name of the All-Merciful. Then said she, O Ruark, of Ruckruth thy mother, tell me somewhat. He answered, I know not of her since that day. Allah have her in his keeping. So she cried, How? What sayest thou, Ruark? Tis a riddle. Then he said, The oath of Ruark is no rope of sand. He swore to see her not till he had set eyes on Bonivar. She knelt by the chief, saying in a soft voice, Very greatly the chief of the Beni Asar loved Bonivar. And she thought, Yea, greatly and verily loved I him. And he shall be no victim of the serpents. 
for I defy them, and give them other prey. So she said in deeper tones, Ruark, the queen has come hither to release thee. O my chief, O thou soul of wrath, Ruark, my fire-eye, my eagle of the desert, where is one on earth beloved as thou art by Bonivar? The dark light in his eyes kindled as light in the eyes of a lion, and she continued, Ruark, what a yoke is hers, who weareth this crown? He that is my lord, how am I mated to him, save in loathing? O my chief, my lion, hadst thou no dream of Bonivar, that she would come hither to unbind thee, and lift thee beside her, and live with thee in love, and veilness loveliness, thine? Yea, and in power over lands and nations and armies, lording the infidel, taming them to submission, exulting in defiance and assaults and victories and magnanimities, thou and she. Then, while his breast heaved like a broad wave, the queen started to her feet, crying, Lo, she is here, and this she offereth thee, Ruart. A shrill cry parted from her lips, and to the clapping of her hands, slaves entered the cell with lamps and instruments, to strike off the fetters from the chief. And they released him, and Ruark leaned on their shoulders to bear the weight of a limb. So was he weakened by captivity. But Bonivar thrust them from the chief, and took the pressure of his elbow on her own shoulder, and walked with him thus to the door of the cell, he sighing as one in a dream that dreameth the bliss of bliss. Now they had gone three paces onward, and were in the light of many lamps, when, behold, the veil of Bonivar caught in the sleeve of Ruark as he lifted it, and her visage became bare. She shrieked and caught up her two hands to her brow, but the slaves had a glimpse of her and said among themselves, This is not the queen. And they murmured, Tis an impostor, one in league with the chief. Bonivar heard them say, Arrest her with him at the governor's gate, and summoned her soul, thinking, He loveth me, the chief, he will look into my eyes and mark not the change. What need I then to dread his scorn when I ask of him the kiss? Now must it be given, or we are lost, both of us. And she raised her head on Ruark, and said to him, My chief, ere we leave these walls and join our fates, wilt thou plight thyself to me with a kiss? Ruark leaped to her like the bounding leopard, and gave her the kiss, as were it his whole soul he gave. Then in a moment Bonivar felt the blush of beauty burn over her, and drew the veil down on her face, and suffered the slaves to arrest her with Ruark, and bring her before the governor, and from the governor to the king in his council chamber, with the chief of the Beniasser. Now the king Marshalid called to her, Thou traitress, thou sorceress, thou serpent! And she answered under the veil, What, O my lord the king, and wherefore these evil names of me? Cried he, Thou thing of guile, and thou hast pleaded with me for the life of the chief, thus long to visit him in secret? Life of my head, I but Marshalid is not one to be fooled. So she said, Tis Bonivar, hast thou forgotten her? Then he waxed white with rage, exclaiming, Yea, tis she, a serpent in the slough, and Ukli in the torture hath told of thee what is known to him. Unveil, unveil. She threw the veil from her figure, and smiled, for Marshalid was mute, the torrent of invective frozen on his mouth when he beheld the miracle of beauty that she was, the splendid jewel of throbbing loveliness. So to scourge him, with the bitter lash of jealousy, Bonivar turned her eyes on Ruark, and said sweetly, Yet shalt thou live to taste again the bliss of the desert. Pleasant was our time in it, O my chief. The king glared and choked, and she said again, Nor he conquered thee, but I, and I that conquered thee, 
Little will it be for me to conquer him. His threats are the winds of idleness. Surely the world darkened before the eyes of Marshalide, and he arose and called to his guard hoarsely, Have off their heads. They hesitated, dreading the queen, and he roared, Slay them! Bonnevar beheld the winking of the steel, but ere the scimitars descended, she seized Ruark, and they stood in a whizzing ring of serpents, the sound of whom was as the hum of a thousand wires, struck by storm-winds. Then she glowed, towering over them, with the chief clasped to her, and crying, King of vileness, match thy slaves, with my creatures of the caves. And she sang to the serpents, Seize upon him, sting him through, thrice this day shall pay your due. But they, instead of obeying her injunction, made narrower their circle round Bonnevar and the chief. She yellowed and took hold of the nearest serpent, horribly crying, Dare against me to rebel, ye the bitter brood of hell? And the serpent gasped in reply, When the kiss to us secures, give us ours, and we are yours. Thereupon another of the serpents swung on, the feet of Ruark winding his length upward round the body of the chief. So she tugged at that one, tearing it from him violently and crying, him ye shall not have, I swear. Seize the king that's crouching there. And that serpent hissed. This is he the kiss ensures. Give us ours, and we are yours. Another and another serpent she flung from the chief, and they began to swarm venomously, answering her no more. Then Ruark bore witness to his faith, and folded his arms with the grave smile she had known in the desert. And Bonnevar struggled and tussled with the serpents in fierceness, strangling and tossing them to right and left. "'Great is Allah!' cried all present, and the king trembled, for never was sight like that seen. The hall flashing with the serpents, and a woman serpent, their queen, raging to save one from their fury, shrieking at intervals, "'Never, never shall ye fold! Save with me the man I hold!' But now the hiss and scream of the serpents, and the noise of their circling was quickened to a slurred, savage sound, and they closed on Ruark and she felt him stifling, and that they were relentless. So in the height of the tempest, Bonnevar seized the jewel in the gold circlet on her brow, and cast it from her. Lo, the serpents instantly abated their frenzy, and flew all of them to pluck the jewel, chasing the one that had it in his fangs through the casement, and the hall breathed empty of them. Then, in the silence that was, Bonnevar veiled her face, and said to the chief, Pass from the hall, while they yet dread me. No longer am I queen of the serpents. But he replied, Nay, said I not, my soul is thine? She cried to him, Seest thou not the change in me? I was bound to those serpents for my beauty, and tis gone. Now I am powerless, hateful to look on. O Ruark, my chief! He remained still, saying, What thou hast been, thou art. She exclaimed, O true soul, the light is hateful to me, as I to the light. But I will yet save thee to comfort Ruckruth, thy mother. So she drew him with her swiftly from the hall of the king, ere the king had recovered his voice of command. But now the wrath of the all-powerful was upon her and him. Surely within an hour from the flight of the serpents, the slaves and soldiers of Marshalide laid at his feet two heads that were the heads of Ruark and Bonnevar. And they said, O great king, we tracked them to her chamber and threw to a passage in a vault hung with black, wherein were two corpses, one in a tomb and one unburied, 
and we slew them there, clasping each other, O king of the age. Marshalid gazed upon the head of Bonivar and sighed, for death had made the head again fair, with a wondrous beauty, a loveliness never before seen on earth. End of chapter 2